Hi, welcome to the Happiness Hive podcast. I'm Catherine Bowyer and I am completely fascinated by people and what motivates them. I've spent the past three and a half decades specialising in mindset and human behaviour and I've helped thousands of people to create happy and amazing lives. And now I am super excited to be chatting with women from around the world who I have secret and to be honest, not so secret crushes on. They're women who inspire me. I'm intrigued as to how they do life and what makes them tick. I want to find out their magic formula that makes them who they are. And at the end of the episode, I'd love for you to say, I'd like a little bit of what she's having. The conversations are real and raw. They're full of passion, inspiration and lots of fun. And nothing is off limits. So grab yourself a cuppa or pop on your trackie and go for a walk and join us for today's chat. There may just be that pearl of wisdom you need to hear. So let's shimmy on over and get started. So here we are on the back of the confidence mini series and I've got such a beautiful soul with me today, Janita Lloyd, and we've known each other through mutual business connections and I had the pleasure of going on a business retreat with Janita a couple of years ago where I got to spend time with her, which was really lovely. And today, Janita is going to share with me, just continuing along that mini-series on confidence, and we're going to get to know Janita and how different events in her life have had an impact, have affected her, and have affected her confidence as well, and how she's navigated through that and continuing to navigate through that as well. So, Janita, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me today. (laughs) Oh, I'm super excited. And this kind of evolved through just conversations that we've had about, especially because I have been talking about confidence and the impact of not having confidence for a lot of women has on our lives. But before we dive into your journey around that, tell us a little bit about what stage of life you're at, like what's going on for you in life right now. Yes, well, um, as I said, my name is Janita. I'm a mum and to two beautiful young girls, 11 year old and a seven year old. So I call them 711. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm married and we have one little fur puppy called Daisy. We have three chickens called Goldie, Whitey and Brownie. And you can imagine that that's actually their colours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we have two guinea pigs and a bird aviary. So. Apart from all the kids and the animals, I run my own business. I do part-time work for someone else as well, and I attempt to be a good mum and a good wife and, you know, all all the many hats. All the many hats. Oh, my gosh, you've got a lot of hats. You've got a lot of hats. You've got a lot of fur and feather babies, which is cool. Like, I'm, yeah, I love, I would love a menagerie. We've just got one fur baby and a grand fur baby. Yes. So I'm at a kind of a different stage. I love that your kids are 7, 11. Yeah. Mine are, mine are 26, 28. Oh so gosh. Yeah. Mm, totally different stage. Totally different stage, but still busy. You're busy. I remember those really. It's a different busy now for me. Yeah. But I remember those young kid busy stages mm-hmm. and we were just chatting off air about what we got up to on the weekend and you did about a squillion things, didn't you, with sports yes. drop-offs? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Every weekend. <laughs> Every weekend. Do you know, it, it goes too quickly. So enjoy. Oh, those. it does. Enjoy and I'm very days. mindful of that. Like I say to the kids, like my eldest still wants me to dry her after the shower. 
Um, and I'm mindful to go, there'll come a time where she won't want me in her life yeah. anymore. Like she won't want to spend that time with me. Yeah. So while I could be doing other things, I go, no, no, this is important for her stage of life right now. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Like the kids yeah. just grow up so quickly. <laughs> they become kind of independent. I was just thinking about my kids. They're independent but still absolutely need me, which is beautiful. Yes. Um, and yes. just that um, making the most of it. Oh, that's yes. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Where are you living? You're in? I'm in Jerobombra, which is right on the border of New South Wales and ACT. Yeah, so it's kind of our next-door neighbours. I'm in Canberra, so ACT, yes. the Australian Capital Territory, mm-hmm. and Joe Bombra <laughs> is on the um, is kind of on the border, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm basically if I if I could do a really good throw, I could hit a rock into ACT. Yes, yes. I, we went we popped out to your place the other day, and it was 20 minutes from our one side of Canberra. Everything in Canberra is 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is lovely. <laughs> yeah. Which is absolutely lovely. What was growing up like for you? Did you grow up in – where did you grow up? I grew up in Mwoolumbar, which was oh. is a little country town on the border of New South Wales and Queensland. So it's about 20 minutes south of Coolangatta on the yeah. Gold Coast. You know, nothing to brag about. Very small country town. No matter what you did, everybody knew about it in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in one of those country towns as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. So just my mum, my dad and my sister. So just, you know, yeah. two adults, two children and just no frills, you know, yeah. just a real hardworking, yeah. like probably lower class family, I guess you could say. Sounds wholesome. It sounds like a wholesome family, was it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. We were, you know, we did sports. So that was our thing. We, I, I was a golfer, so I was actually a very good golfer and I could have had the opportunity to go professional, but I turned 18 and decided that partying was more important. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. Wow. How do you feel about that now? I feel fine about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it was an opportunity that I could have had. However, I went if, you know, my heart and soul wasn't in it. Yeah. And I play golf maybe once a year now with my dad at Christmas. Oh, do you? Isn't it interesting how life, our life path kind of leads us to certain points and sometimes it's almost like that, you know, that movie, Sliding Doors? Yes. That if we, if we go down through one door, life could lead us one way and you chose not to. So I know a lot of people live in that what if, if only I had done it. You know what? You didn't. (laughs) You know, I mean, we'll talk about what happened with me further down the track. But one of my surgeons actually said to me that same thing, like five months after the process, he said, you know, what do you think if we'd had done this course of action instead of this? And I'm like, I can't even think about it because no matter what I think, we can't go back to that moment. So why would I torture myself in doing the what ifs? Yeah. It's a pointless exercise, both physically and emotionally. Yeah, I agree. I agree. We're going to dip there in a minute. Yes. How did you get to, if you were living in Mawilambar, you turned 18, so from being very sporty, golf, you know, on that cusp of being a professional golfer. Yes. And choosing not to, what led you to be here, to living where you are now? Uh, so I finished school and didn't know what I wanted to do at uni. So I went, there's no point going to uni and wasting a bunch of money if I'm not absolutely certain on what I want to do. Yeah. So I went straight into the workforce. Yeah. I moved up to the Gold Coast because I got a job further up on the Gold Coast. Yeah. 
and then I met my now husband, <laughs> now husband yeah. in that job and then he became very successful in the business. We got married, we had our first daughter and then the business that we were in, the owner decided to change businesses so he sold his successful business and created another one oh, okay. and that just wasn't my husband's passion. My husband had been in the industry for like 20 years yeah. and went, you know, you can't teach an old dog new yeah. tricks. Yeah. Um, so then he got headhunted and we had an opportunity to come down to Canberra. Oh, nice. And we were only coming down for three years. And how many years ago was that? Eleven. <laughs> yes, they're famous. <laughs> but there's a few famous last words there that I hear about, you know, just decisions that we're making in life and, oh, they'll be temporary, but they're not. And yes. I, my, I had this similar trajectory. I was, um, I met my husband while I was working and I was studying at that time, but I was kind of at the back end of my degree and it was hard work. Mm-hmm. And my husband was much more fun to hang around than studying. So I withdrew from that, <laughs> that uni yeah. degree and I was just like, um, oh yeah, I'll get back to it. I'll get back to it. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, <laughs> didn't. So, oh my gosh. So, so you moved to Canberra 11 years ago. Yes living in the region now yes. mm-hmm. and running your own business, busy, busy wife, busy mum. Tell us about what happened that actually was the big, another big turning point in your life as well. Tell us about yeah, absolutely. what that so was all about. Yeah. In 2017, so basically this time five years ago, or yeah, six years ago, okay. 2017, I'd been at the gym. Yeah. And obviously, because it gets quite cold down here, you don't wear shorts or short pants at all during April to October. Yeah, yeah. And I wore some short shorts and one of my friends went, oh, what's that on your leg? And I said, oh, it's a freckle. And she said, oh, gosh, that doesn't look good. I said, yeah, I had it checked. I'm due to get it checked again. And I just had my daughter just turned two. Okay. Well, yeah. she was turning two in November, her birthday yeah. in November. So she wasn't quite two yet. And after she was born, the mole, the freckle on my leg turned from a 10 cent to about a 50 cent piece. Okay. So it was big. The size. Yeah. 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 So in February of 2018, I went to the doctors and got it checked. Doctor said, you know, I think it's okay, but it does, you know, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent certain of that. There's just something about it that I don't like. So he took a biopsy and, you know, and when I left, he's like, I'll see you in a week when I take the stitches out, you know, have a great weekend as much as you can with stitches in your leg. Uh, and then on the Monday morning, I had a phone call from the doctor's office and they said, your doctor wants you to come in today. Oh, okay. And I'm like, what about? Like, can't discuss it over the phone. I'm like, oh, oh, gosh. oh yeah. <laughs> um, so basically I picked the, I picked my child up from daycare. I, I picked the youngest up from daycare, picked, my eldest up from kindergarten. She'd only just started kindergarten yeah. that year. Yeah. So I hung them both out at the doctor's office and he sat down and he said, oh, unfortunately, you've got a melanoma. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, I'm like, okay, all right. And, and when you hear those words, you don't really hear anything after that. Mm. You're just instantly going, what the fuck? Yeah. And you I were there on your own with the kids. So I was. My husband yeah. was away. Yeah, yeah. he was away for yeah. work. Yeah. So I left in a daze, got in the car and we went to the supermarket and I bought a bottle of alcohol, yeah. <laughs> I bought a bottle of wine <laughs> and a massive tub of chocolate ice cream. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. <laughs> and I came home and I finished both of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and how did you feel after that? What was going on after that? <laughs> I don't think I could move. <laughs> and then it was a waiting game. My doctor said that he would send a referral over to a specialist, a skin cancer specialist, and uh, they would call me within a week. Yeah. So I had a week where I just had to just wait and go, I don't know how bad this thing is, you know. I just, is have I got cancer all over my body? Is it spreading? You know, am I going to make it through the year? Are you just... It's interesting, isn't it? I haven't been in that situation. I know a lot of girlfriends, people I know have, and that waiting, that kind of like, that the almost like that initial diagnosis, initial, yeah, diagnosis. And then that like, holy shit, what, you know, that numbness that you went through. Yes. Very, very common. But then that waiting game of, Mm -hmm. oh my God, what, that that what if you know what yes. could be yeah. did you catastrophize how did you what did you remember what you went through then in that waiting game? oh yeah I was just like well like how far is it spreading my body yeah um, you know yeah. melanomas obviously people die from melanomas yes and quite quickly too yeah. yes yeah. yeah so I yeah. basically had a biopsy three days later got told I've got melanoma oh. and then get told to wait a week before a specialist can call me back Oh my goodness. And I had to, you know, and just during this whole process, I got, you, you have to get used to waiting. <laughs> mm. So I ended up calling the doctor the week, the week after and go, haven't heard from the specialist. And they oh. said, Oh, we'll call them, you know, we'll come back to you. In the end, that was another week. And then I ended up calling the doctors again saying, give me the surgeon's details and I'll contact them. Yeah. 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 So I called them. And they said, oh, listen, we're actually got a huge demand at the moment. There's a wait list. You are six weeks before the doctor will even triage your pathology. Oh, my God. So that's already a couple of weeks into yes. it. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. God. Mm. So I'm like, I'm sorry. I just got told two weeks ago that I have a melanoma. We have no idea how bad this is. And I have to wait another six weeks before the doctor will even look at my pathology. Like I could be like Dr. Drum, yeah. but I could be dead by then. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I went back to my GP and said, this is not a deal. I've got family on the Gold Coast. I've got family in Sydney. Can you get me a referral to someone else? Yeah, good. He said, I think it's best that we find you someone else in your local area. In case something goes wrong, you can be close to your family. Oh, God. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> So fast forward a little bit, yeah. I got a referral to a new surgeon. He looked at it and went, this is going to be a quite extensive surgery. So the melanoma was on my shin. Okay. Wow. So because there's not enough skin there and with melanomas, you actually have to cut down to muscle mm. in order to get all of it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you also have to do like a five centimetre each side of the actual incision. So there's not much fat muscle on your shin is there no so what they did it's called a flap so the way i describe it is think of a cupcake yeah and you're going to cut the top of the cupcake off yeah you're going to put it on the side you're going to scoop the middle part of the cupcake out and then bring the top of it and sew it back on yeah that's so i had over 80 stitches on my right leg on my shin area bloody hell can i ask been bitten by a shark yeah yeah janita can i ask how old you are uh, yeah, I'm 42. 42. So this oh, was 38. six years, 38. Yeah. And did you do lots of sunbaking as a kid? No, I played golf. 
with shorty like would your legs be exposed yes yep so my mum had skin cancer on her face when we were little yeah and I can remember her coming home from surgery and it just having stitches all over her face wow so I've always been you put sunscreen on your face you put sunscreen on your face and And I know that the podcast goes out around the world in Australia we're pretty Oh, I'd like to think that we're pretty educated around that now. Mm-hmm. I'm 57. Growing up, we were not, and yeah. we did lots of lots of sun baking. And I still like, I still do not sun just blatantly sun bake, but I love being out in the sun. But always yeah. sunscreen mm-hmm. and always having checkups. So that's quite a. Oh, I wonder. Through my mind, I think it's fairly common in Australia. Melanoma has very much been in the yes. public it is eye. One of, Australia is the highest, is yeah. the country with the highest rate of melanomas. Yeah. yeah. So it's 38, so you had your cupcake scooped out of your leg, yes. yep. 80 sti- sharp bite stitches. Yes. Holy mm-hmm. shit. And then what was the, so how long was that after? So you got a surgeon, a local surgeon? Yes. And so then you so did your recovery? Was... Yeah. So from when I had my biopsy, my biopsy was the 16th of February yeah. and I went into surgery on the 30th of March. Oh, okay. So that's a month. Too. Yeah. That's not too bad, is it? Weeks, yeah. Yes. yeah. Wow. Um, but it could have been so much longer. Gosh. Yes. Gosh, yeah. gosh, gosh. Uh, so it gets worse. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. yeah. 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 Tell us. So what ends up happening is the anaesthetist comes and visits me after my surgery. And I don't know about you, but I've never heard anyone say the anaesthetist comes and visits them after a surgery. And he came in and he said, that is the most intense surgery I've ever been a part of. I wanted to come back and see for myself that you were okay. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I've just got goosebumps with that. Yes. So I had my mum. I was very lucky to have my mum here. Mm. And I was pushing the pain button. Now, I don't remember this, but (laughs) she tells me about it. And she goes... You were just constantly pressing the pain button going, this thing is broken. This thing is broken. Because you couldn't get enough pain relief. I couldn't get enough pain relief, no. So I was meant to be discharged the next day after my surgery, but they weren't happy with how I was travelling, so they kept me in for the next day. I then had a physiotherapist come in and want me to walk, (laughs) and I actually couldn't put any pressure on my foot. And they were just constantly going, you need to, you know, you need to be able to go home. You need to put pressure on your foot. Yeah. You know, you have, I mean, I didn't have stairs. I've got one stair, yeah. one step in our house. And so we left. I got discharged. I came home. And now this was over Easter. Oh, geez. Yes. And with little babies at home, little yes. young yep. ones. Yeah. Yep. So a six-year-old and a two-year-old. So she's mm. only just been to a couple of months. So she's mm. still in a cot. Mm. So I was on crutches because I obviously couldn't walk. Mm. Um, two weeks after that, so I'd been seeing the doctors and we weren't happy with how it was looking. Oh, I'm forgetting a major step there. <laughs> a week after my surgery, I go back to the surgeon to check on it and you can see that as part of my leg, part of it is dying. Oh, yeah. So if my – I'll use this paper. Yeah, yeah. If this part – is the can you see that? No. Oh yeah. Yeah. The this part is yeah. the part where my leg has been cut yeah. and sewn back on. 
this section here starts to die. So that's the insidey bit for those that are listening. So there's that's a, on the top part of my legs. So on think the top part of the cupcake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what the surgeon does is he then cuts that dead pit out oh. in his office. Oh. Really? Yeah. I am screaming. My husband oh my doesn't know what to do. I am screaming. Jesus. Okay. Then a week later, I miss my appointment because he's sick. The surgeon is sick or away. So I missed that appointment. That Friday night, my husband, and I'm sleeping on the lounge because my leg needs to be elevated. So I'm on crutches. I'm on super strong painkillers. My husband stays up late. Like my husband goes to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock every night. Anything later than that is really abnormal. Mm. I'd taken my pain relief medication for the night in order to get me through the night time. And he was up watching a show. And it's about 11 o'clock. And he's going to bed. I'm already asleep. Yeah. And he walks past me because I'm on the lounge and he pats my head. And then he wakes me up going, you're really hot. I need to take your temperature. So he gets the thermometer. He takes my temperature. I'm 41.5 oh, degrees. Oh, God, 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 God. We call my neighbor. He goes, Geneva needs to go to the hospital. I've got the two kids. I can't mm. leave the two kids here. Mm. So she takes me to hospital. I'm there for less than half an hour. And all of the hospital staff are in a panic. I have sepsis. Oh God. Oh my so God. The melanoma didn't kill me, but the sepsis the might. Sepsis. And you hear that a lot though, don't you? That it's not yeah. the primary, it's the secondary thing that comes in. Oh my yeah. God. So they're, wheeling me, oh. they're wheeling me from the emergency through to, I've not been admitted. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're wheeling me through this long corridor. It felt like an eternity. Yeah. And all along the corridor is sepsis kills. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What the hell is going on? Yeah. So fast forward, I yeah. stay in hospital for two days at Queanbeyan Hospital. Gosh, yeah. And then I finally get a discharge and transfer across to Canberra Hospital. Yeah. I have a massive issue with one of the doctors at Canberra Hospital. He tells the nurse that I should be. Because my I'm stable, even though I've been on, you know, three courses of antibiotics intravenously on the drip for two days straight, he says that I'm stable and I'm taking up a vital bed. Oh, and to release you. Yes. Yeah. So I say to the I say to the nurse, I'm like, Can you just open the bandages and look at my leg? Mm. Like mm. this leg is making me sick. Mm. I'm a relatively healthy person. Mm. This leg is making me sick. She finally does that. And then the doctor finally comes over. And I tell you what, I've never seen someone change their tune so quickly. Mm. It's like, what can I get you? <laughs> so then I get admitted into Canberra Hospital. And the next day, so I get admitted, I finally get admitted into a bed at four o'clock in the morning. At eight o'clock that morning, I have no joke, about 12 doctors at the foot of my bed. And they're talking about amputation. Oh, goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. And I'm, okay. I'm, and I'm high on drugs. Like I'm yeah. on, I think I'm on four different painkillers. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes I couldn't even tell you my name. I was yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think that that was beneficial because I could disassociate from yeah, what wow. I was going through. So I didn't go to surgery that day. It was the next day. And I went into surgery not knowing if I was going to have, they, they were talking about completely amputating my foot and possibly my leg. Gosh, so you didn't know whether it was going to be one of those surgeries 
we'll see what we can do, but you, be prepared. You might come out yep. without a foot or without a leg. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, on my husband's birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah. Um, oh, so thankfully, okay. you know, they didn't. Yeah. And what happened was they cut all of the muscle out. They cut all the dead muscle out of my leg. Yeah. And they did that. I had five more. Well, I had six surgeries total. So I had five more surgeries after that to get rid of all the dead muscle and the dead tissue. Gosh. What they were going to do was they were thinking about doing an operation because obviously I then had exposed tendons. Yeah. So I've got a video where I'm looking inside my leg and I'm moving my foot and you can see my tendons. Move. Oh, yeah. Don't do not show us that. Do no, no, I would definitely not, do not show, show that. me that. Yeah. No, no, I won't. I feel for you, but. No, I'm never, I would never be the person there to help through any of that blood. No. Yes, I have, I have a beautiful friend and she's yeah. like, I will do whatever you need me to do, but I'm not looking at your leg. No, ever. no, same. I'd be that person. I don't do blood. I don't do ovens. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? I can't look at it now. No. Wow. If I look at it now, I'm instantly wow. emotionally triggered. Um, oh, of course. Time, Actually, I'm going to talk like, you a yeah, I'm going to ask you about that. Yes. So it came, so long story, like traumatic trauma, mm-hmm. lots of trauma there. Yes. But is your leg, are you okay? Yes. Now, are yes, you okay? Yes. So I had, the melanoma I had is the best type of melanoma that you can have. Okay. Oh, gosh, yeah. It ended up being only 0.4 of a millimetre. Oh, my gosh. And it was in situ, and in situ means it's got a little gate. It's enclosed yeah. in its own little fence. So if you're ever going to get a melanoma, that was get the that one. one to get. Um, and did they need to do that whole surgery then if it was the tiny? Nope. No. Oh. So if the surgeon had been a little bit more and done his due diligence, yeah, the surgery would not even needed to have happened. Oh, Janita. So you're disfigured. Your leg is yes. disfigured yeah. now, isn't it, because yes, of it the – the, yep. the surgery into the like the the magnitude of the surgery, then the sepsis, and then the yes. subsequent surgery. So you had the original surgery that potentially may not have needed to happen. Then you've had these subsequent ones because of the sepsis. Yes, yeah. So I now the, have drop foot. So what happens was yeah. I cut out eighty percent of the yeah. muscle out of my yeah. leg, which operates basically my foot. Yeah. So I have drop foot now, which means that my foot, most people's feet, when you're walking, yeah. your leg goes like yeah. that so you don't trip. Yeah. I don't have that yeah. ability with my toe. So yeah. I'm very aware of that. So I'm on heightened alert to go, I need to be careful how I walk. Yeah. So I don't and trip. the surroundings and things as well. Yes. And that's not something I know somebody else who's had a similar experience and a similar result. And it's not something that can be fixed either is it it's a no they were originally talking that they could do something where they would um my ankle but i went but then there was no guarantee of the outcome that i would have so they said you know it may improve 20 percent. it may improve 80 percent. there's no guarantee yeah and then i would have to i would have to learn to walk again So, oh my gosh. During my- this, during this first process, I had to learn to walk again because I was in a moon boot for five months. Gosh. It took five months for there to be enough tissue over my tendon to be able to do a skin graft. Yeah. So I was in a moon boot for five months and then had the skin graft surgery and then had to wait the six weeks to then start physio. 
and I couldn't move my foot. Like so I this is you, this this goes on then for like quite some time, doesn't it? Five months, yes. and then your physio, and then you are you still re in rehabilitation, or are you back to your version of normal now? I've been doing my own thing, but I recently went to the doctor because I said my hip is just, mm. you know, I can't sleep. I'm in so much pain. Mm. Um, and he said, you need to get back into physio. That is yeah, the key. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Resolving that pain issue. And how's this affected? How does this, and I can, I'm asking you the question. Yeah. How does, how does this all impacted with your confidence and you being you? Oh, it's... <laughs> I know that that's it's an <laughs> obvious question. Yes. Probably yes. obvious, but I'd like to hear it from you. What is the impact on your confidence around this life altering experience? It, it's huge. It mm. is absolutely huge. And every summer as the warm, as the weather warms yeah. up again, yeah. I'm triggered again because, yeah. you know, you can't wear pants forever. Yeah particularly down here where we go from cold just to really hot. Yeah. Every time we get hot, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to wear shorts. I'm going to wear a skirt. You know, people are going to look. Yeah. And it's not, you know, we don't mean to. No. People don't mean to stare when people are different, but it's actually just in our human nature to, to see what's not normal and look at it. Yeah. You know, I had some kids, this is last year, but my daughter's friends were like, oh, my gosh, look at your leg. That looks terrible. Mm. <laughs> now they're kids. They don't, mm. they, they don't mean anything by it. And Does I that trigger to, you, though? Does that, do you get triggered by that? Uh, the kids, not so much. Yeah, yeah. It's more the adults, really. It's that, in, interesting, Janita, when I've been doing the, the mini-series on confidence and there was one of the episodes around body confidence and I was sharing my experiences about you know weight and having Mm -hmm. this challenge with not liking the weight and not liking myself visually there and I dipped in a little bit about you know disabilities and different different visions of bodies but here we have a physical something that's happened to your body it's it's been quite a traumatic experience but it's left you scarred yeah and it's about you know it affects different people in different ways and different things like our I guess our trigger for those that are triggered can be different things it's not just about weight often when we hear body confidence we go oh it's about you know big versus little but but it can be body confidence around as a result of something that's happened in your life. Yeah. You yeah. know, I had acne as a teenager yeah. and I thought that people didn't like me because I was ugly. Yeah. So Same. You know, Same. so long of my life, yeah. I was like, no one's allowed to see me without makeup because they won't yeah. like me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Same. I had very bad acne and it's about that feeling ugly. Yeah. Yeah. In, in my yeah. skin. Yeah. Feeling ugly. Yeah. Um, in my skin and then the stories that I would tell myself around that. So yeah. were you telling yourself stories around this, around the, your experience with your leg? Yeah. So, um, my GP actually, and God love him because he was quite forceful, <laughs> but he wanted me to see a psychologist. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not yeah. fine. I'm like, I'm yeah. fine. 
and he clearly see, could see that I wasn't yeah. going to initiate that process. Yeah. <laughs> so he went and found me a psychologist that was a sports, an exercise sports psychologist. Perfect. And his specialty was around athletes who had an injury and overcoming that mental state to get back to their prime. Love it. And, you know, and he actually said, he called and said, Janita, I've got your appointment with blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's on this day. Do you need me to get a car to come and pick you up and take you? Oh, okay. Meaning I'm you like, need to go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll Ryan will be home. I'll, I'll make it happen. Ryan's my husband. Yeah. I'm like, no, I'll make it happen. And honestly, I, I joke going, this is the easiest $150 you've ever earned. Cause like <laughs> for 55 minutes, I just sat there and cried. I couldn't even talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because when you're, when you're, particularly when you're a mum, but when you're a parent and a wife, you want to stay strong for everybody. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's very difficult to have a meltdown. When you're the strong one. Yeah, yeah. particularly yeah. in your home. Mm. So for me, I think I was very lucky that my doctor did force me because literally that was my safe place where I could cry. Yeah. And it was also the place where I could ask, you know, stupid questions and yeah. and play stupid blame games. So I can remember going at one point going, this surgeon did this because I'm a bad person. Mm, yeah. And it's like, well, what, why do you think you're a bad person? I'm like, well, this happened in my career and a lot of people got hurt. So this is karma. Yeah. Interesting. You know, like something bad had like, because something bad happened to me, it was because I did something wrong. Yeah. And that's obviously a childhood story we yes. tell ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But that was very, you know, there was a lot of series of, questions that I went through you know and I got to like I wanted to blame the surgeon yeah which you know theoretically is the correct thing to I would do. yeah I was gonna say <laughs> yes <laughs> I went in fine and you yes. stuck me up yeah however at the end of the day the surgeon didn't wake up going I'm gonna screw this girl's life up and I got to the point where I went if I was a athlete and I tried to do a new exercise and it didn't work, well, then it would be all right. Yeah. This surgeon did it, did a surgery that he probably shouldn't have done and yeah. it just had really big consequences. Wow. So then I went, it's not his fault because actually he's, he's going through it as well. He has to wake up yeah. every day going, I, you know, I really wrecked this woman's life. Yeah, yeah. How do you get, gosh, there's so much I want to, I'm going to come back to that, sure. but what I just want to dip back into, I love how your doctor could recognise within you that you needed some support that potentially you within yourself didn't recognise at that stage. Yes. Um, so that's great to have good support around you. And I love that your doctor recommended a sports psychologist mm-hmm. about overcoming injury and yep. so if you think about you being on your golf trajectory, sports is a big part of your life. Yes. To me, that sounds like a really good match of a psychologist for you mm-hmm. because yes. there's not, you know, support is different. Like we have different coaches for different things. We have different yes. psychologists and therapists. I think that's awesome that your doctor was able to identify somebody that was going to potentially align with where you're at in life and be able to help you. Yes. Balling our eyes out is often the most important thing that we need to do to be able to release and let go. And when we can get through that 
release and let go, then we can sort of move through the next phases yes. um, of the, the change process. And I really want to dive in for you to get to that state of, I would say, forgiveness. Uh-huh. Is it forgiveness? I'm not sure if it's forgiveness, but what you said about your doctor that you have gone, even though it was his fault. Yeah. I'm willing to, is it forgiveness? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get to that? How do you, how did you get to that stage? Cause that seems pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it took a while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lie. <laughs> it took a while and there was still, you know, moments where I went, even though I'd got to the other side, yeah. I was like, it's all your fucking fault. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's actually not his fault because I had the melanoma. If I didn't have the melanoma, he wouldn't have to do the surgery. Oh, that's interesting. So if we're looking to place a blame on anyone, which I don't. No, no. I I don't blame anybody. You know, shit happens. Bad things happen to good people. Yeah, yeah. And and on that, one of the books I read during that process was Lee Sales' book, An Ordinary Day. Yeah. And that real – I guess maybe that was probably the turning point was to go, you know – you think about Stuart Diver, we all know his story. He's had three bad things happen. Yeah. And he doesn't blame anybody. It's just things happen. Actually, for those of you that are not Australian and listening to it, Stuart Diver was, he's a prominent Australian who was buried in an, an avalanche. Was it an avalanche? In, yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, in and his wife, his wife passed away. Mm-hmm. He remarried, didn't he? And then his yeah. second wife, passed away. That's correct. Yes. So Stuart Diver and Lee Sales is a prominent Australian journalist who's Mm -hmm. written that book as well. So did that help you to shift your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And just to know that, and I guess this is where the confidence comes into Mm -hmm. it, is to go, it's not my fault. Yeah. You know. Yay. Because I think a lot of the stuff with your psychologist probably – helped you and the other bits I don't think it's ever just down to one thing you do but it's a culmination but when you were kind of thinking this is karma for bad things that I have done Mm -hmm. by coming out of that and going it's not my fault it's not any it's it's a thing that happened yes it's a thing that happened and sure there was some consequences but it was a thing that happened yeah and not casting blame that's a big place to get to yeah, and and you need to, not that I want to use the word need or should, yeah. but you kind of really need to get to that point because otherwise you just yeah. go into a cycle, yeah. really negative downward spiral cycle. And it becomes quite bitter, doesn't it? The, yeah, the cycle does. is a bitter cycle yeah. of blame and victim being the victim. And I, part of my process, I think we need to experience that fuck you like, oh, you know, fuck you. It's you part of the journey. Me. It's part of the journey. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people get stuck in that, that fuck you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your fault. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's a place that we stop. We, mm-hmm. we have a little look around and then we get back in the car and we move on from that. Yeah. Because when we're stuck in that blame victim, this was done to me. I'm a bad person. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Life just 
echoes that. So it takes, and I, I think what you were saying there too, this didn't just happen overnight. This was an evolution yeah. Yeah. and there probably will be times that you go, yeah, actually, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still, there's probably, but maybe it's about not getting stuck in that for as long. Yeah. There's another, I don't want to rave on all about books, but there's a book yeah. called Sumo and it's called Shut Up, Move On. Oh, nice. I love that. It's amazing. And it, what it's, there's a section of it that says you can have a hippo time, which is like it's basically your pity party. Yep. And you can choose to do that for an hour yep. or a day, but that's yep. it. Yep. So have your pity party. Yep. And then move on. Yep. Um, that's my, my version of that's your five minute pity party. And it might be, yeah. you know, it might be five minutes, might be five hours. Yeah. Five days is probably a bit long for, for my pity parties. If it, if mine's going on for longer, I need to go, I need to get support to be able to get out of this. Yeah. I've got some tools around it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And what other things, what, what's been sort of been some of the flow on impact of that impact on you? Did it flow on to the kids and your husband? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What happened there? So basically my husband had to be everything. Yeah. He had to be the parent. <laughs> Mm. He had to be the taxi to drive mm. everybody around. He had mm. to be the organizer. He had to be the carer for me. Mm. Um, I was on crutches and a wheelchair for, um, so I was in a wheelchair for, I think four, five weeks. How'd you cope with that? Because you're a pretty independent, like the, the Janita I know is pretty independent. Yes. It um, was... pretty, pretty likes to get in and get stuff done. How was that being the receiver of? <laughs> For those that are, um, Janita's face is telling it all. Thumbs down, not loving it. Absolutely terrible. And and my psychologist actually made a really good point, which changed my attitude towards receiving help. Yeah. He said, do you like helping people? I said, of course. I love helping people. Mm. He's like, why? And I said, well, you know, I have a tool and I have assets that, you know, other people might not be able to have. You know, it gives me a warm and fuzzy, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And he's like, so why would you deny other people yeah. from having that feeling? And I'm like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Mind I've heard wrong. that before. I've heard that before, that when we are denying help, and especially the people who deny help are often the ones that are very good at giving help yeah, and the caregivers, Mm-hmm. That putting that different spin on it, that why are we doing it? Because we want to be able to support and be there and, yep. you know, get the warm fuzzies and mm-hmm. we're denying others that same experience by yes. knocking it back. So that's, yes. Yeah. So after that session, I was like, whoever offers me help, I'm just taking it up. Yeah, just going to take that up. That's cool. That's very good. That <laughs> yeah. I, I think that would be a, a, a good thing for people listening because I know a lot of women who listen find that tricky to receive yeah (laughs) to receive but also to ask for I think a lot of them find that really hard to ask and I think that comes into your confidence as well to go we associate asking for help as we're incompetent or Mm. we're a failure or we can't do something yeah Um, I associate it with weakness yeah I remember my neighbor who is the most beautiful gorgeous woman if ever we wanted to go away and have somebody look after our dog, I couldn't even ask her to look after. I'd say, John, can you go and ask if they can look after <laughs> the dog? And he's like, what? He said, you see her all the time. I'm like, yeah, but I can't. 
you know, that's a dumbass bloody thing. Mm. But it was, for me, in my mind, it was almost this, it was a my version of I'm weak, which is, you know, I've done a lot of work around that, done a lot Mm. of work around that. So what are you continuing to do now to keep that positive outlook on life? How do you maintain that positivity? What are you, what are some things? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> are you wired that way? Do you think you're wired that way yeah. now? Or has yeah. the, the, my blood type is be positive. Like, oh. it runs through me. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, love, love that. Be positive. So, so potentially through, because even when you were describing the events of what was happening, mm-hmm. right at the beginning when you were, when you received the diagnosis, and you had to wait for the surgeon for you you took things into your own hands mm-hmm. back then you were sort of you waited and you were like yeah yeah I'll haven't heard anything I'll get in touch with the doctor doctor said we've got to wait yeah. that's not good enough so you actually took things into your own hands yes and also when the surgeon was going to discharge you and you went no that's not no yeah. And so I think it's possibly part of who your makeup is. Yeah, I think that and you know, there's if I look back, there's certain situations where I go, I should have listened to my gut and spoken up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that also comes back with confidence is to go one of the things I learned through the process was to go, I do need to trust my own gut. Yeah. Even though these are doctors and specialists yes. and surgeons, I know my own body. Oh, I love that. I know me. I love and that. while they are the expert in their field, I'm the expert. Oh, I love field. that, Janita. Yes. So I think I've definitely taken that approach more. I have, I'm obviously very regular with my skin checks. Yeah. Um, I was six monthly and then I moved to annually. Woohoo. Yeah. Oh, cool. I do have a little bit of not bad news, but, um, I do have a spot where my scar is. Oh no. Fuck. Yes. Yeah. So we're now on three monthly checks for yeah. that. Yeah. Not that we think it is bad. However, it could be bad. Yeah. And if it does be bad, at least if we're looking at it every three months, we have it under control. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I think maybe that's a part of it is to go, you know, I'm in control. Yeah. Yeah. I can, you know, I can, I can control the outcomes. I love what you said there that you are the expert in you. And one of the big things is to trust your intuition. And sometimes we go into spaces, whether it's with a doctor, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in business or life, yeah. that we think that other people are better than us, know more than us. Mm-hmm. And it's recognizing, yes, their expertise in their field, but that doesn't mean that they they have expertise in everything. Yeah. I see a lot of that even on a various side note with people in business and, you know, saying how we should run our businesses. And it's like, you don't even know what my business and my core, mm-hmm. you know, mission and values are in my business. So don't tell me how I should be running my business. Yeah. And and it's the same thing. Like, don't yeah. tell you how you should be running your life. Yes. And looking after yourself. Oh, gosh. Gosh, so much. Yeah. Any last little pearls of wisdom before we jump off? Oh, we we say in this household it is what it is and you get what you get and you don't get upset. 
and that primarily comes with food. <laughs> you, know, you get what you get, you don't get upset. But I think that can relate to life as well, is to go, you know, if you don't like what you're getting, you you can change it. Yeah. I um, Yeah, it is what it is. And if you get what you get, and what was the next bit, if you don't? You get what you get and you don't get upset. And don't get upset. But I think they're probably, I think that is good with food and raising kids. Mm. I think also with life and it's about how we get back up from the stuff that knocks us down. Like there is things. And, you know, if we're really, if life's going along swimmingly, happy days, do more of that that lights you up. And, but if things are not where you want them to be, it's about, well, why aren't they? What do you want to be different? And what can I do to make that difference? So you were, you were handed something. You had an experience in life. Yeah. And you. And, and that's what it is. It's an experience. Yeah. That doesn't define me. No. Who I am. I'm not Janita who had a melanoma who no. got screwed over by a surgeon. I'm no. still the same Janita. I may look a little different. Yeah. Um, I can't run. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe, uh, um, neither can I, and I didn't have a skin cancer. <laughs> well, I never ran before, so I'm like, I'm not missing anything. <laughs> That's cool um, that you don't, because that was one of the things I was going to ask you about. Do you identify with the injury? But you've just said that no, because a lot of people do identify. I go in and out. Stuff. Yep. Yep. So I have a very good friend, you know her, Beck, yeah. and a couple of months ago I I called her and went, I have a disability. Yeah. And she's like, oh, God. Yeah. that's I've never heard you yeah. associate yourself with that before. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, and I was going through a very painful time. Yeah. You know, my foot was hurting. Yeah. And that happens in winter, yeah. the winter and the rain. My shin yeah. completely hurts. And because I was trying to do too much, yeah. you know, I wasn't walking properly. So then I was putting my hip out. And I just got to that point where I couldn't see out and I needed to identify somewhere because I couldn't identify with my normal self. Yeah. And so my normal self as being strong and positive yeah. and independent and I wasn't being those things. And you know, during the process I had a disability sticker. Yeah. In the car. Yeah. And on several occasions we had people come up to the car because obviously we were quite young. I had several people come up to the car as if to abuse us for Question you, oh my God, you're kidding. Park. You're kidding. Um, and that was very, after a while, I said to Ryan, and actually he was away, so I had my family here, and I would go, don't park in the disabled spot. I emotionally can't handle it. Oh, you're kidding. No, because, you know, I was already had that lack of confidence to go, yeah. I'm a young woman, I'm a mum. You know, I had to get people to come and stay with us. My husband had a trip away, yeah. and I had to get my mum to come, my mother-in-law to come, my sister to come because my daughter was in a cot and I was in a wheelchair and couldn't get her in and out of a cot. And it's about accepting that support, isn't it? But also how, oh, my God, I I need to judge, but people judging. Yeah. um, Yeah. That is just not – I see that a lot where people, you know, that's – so a lot of the mindset stuff, isn't it? There was the physical – yeah. Rehabilitation, but there's that mindset rehabilitation and it's about that ongoing. When I said to you before, you know, how do you remain positive? It's that ongoing and also yeah. having support around you when you're not feeling great. Because I yeah. think if we, if we think, I think it's just unrealistic that we are 
happy and bubbly and roses and unicorns all the time. Yeah. That's just not realistic, but it's about where do you go when you're not feeling great, the support yes. you get so you can get back on and recognising when you're not. I had a stint earlier this year where I was not feeling great and it was a different to what I've experienced before and I just went, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And when I said that out loud, I said it to a girlfriend and it just opened up floodgates. Mm-hmm. But those words of going, I'm not okay, mm-hmm. was the bit going, oh, I needed to, I needed to hear that myself so yeah. I could then go, I need to do something around this. Absolutely. So Admitting it is the, it, yeah. you know, and, and as, as we spoke before about my GP yeah. forcing yeah. me to go to the yeah, psychologist, yeah. I knew that I was not in a good place. Yes. And yeah. part of my fear, I guess, yeah. was going, once I get there, I know yeah. what's going to happen. The floodgates yeah. are going to open. Yeah, yeah. That's what, yeah. And I'm going to lay everything bare yeah. and I'm a failure. <laughs> Yeah. Do you know, I find that a lot with coaching too. I find people go, I want to come and see you, but I don't because I know once I start yeah. and open up the doors, I'm just a bit worried about what I'll find. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, we can navigate when we, we know what's there. We can navigate through that. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, Geneva, the time just goes way too quickly. Hello. Tell us where, where um people can find you because you do have your own skincare business as well, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you can find me on Instagram. Yeah. My name's Janita Lloyd, Janita yeah. M. Lloyd on Instagram. Yeah, sure. And we'll have links in the show notes yeah. and stuff as well. Yeah. Awesome. Lovely, lovely for that. Yeah. And for those that are following along, we're still in that confidence series. There is that little freebie about the imposter survival kit, which is some tips I've put together to help women to navigate that feeling of when they feel that they're going to be caught out that they're actually not as good as people think they are. So you can download that in the freebies. Janita, thank you so much for um, joining us. That was really lovely. I really um, appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can spread the love by sharing it with a friend so she can have a little bit of what we had today. And don't forget to rate and review so we can get it into as many hearts and ears as possible. You can keep the conversation going on my Happiness Hive socials. And if you'd like some more high vibe happiness in your life, come and join me in our community of inspired and motivated women at the Happiness Lounge. This is my online membership club and your central hub for everything you will need to be truly happy and bounce out of bed every day living and loving your best and most beautiful life. To find out more, pop over to the Happiness Hive website and click on the link working with Catherine. Until next time, big hugs and happiness.